This is the second podcast in a series of the business of junior volleyball. In the first podcast, uh, we, we discussed knowing your customer and kind of how we got to this point. And we spent quite a bit of time talking about uh, what's going on right now in the, in the junior volleyball community with the boys. And the boys have decided that for 2022, they're going to be attending the AAU National Championships in Orlando, Florida. They're not going to be attending the USA Volleyball Championships in 2022. This is a big uh, break with the boys community from USA Volleyball. And we discussed, you know, the fact that, you know, the issues that, that might have led to that and some of the other issues. Today we're going to talk about uh, the Junior Volleyball Association because the, what's happening with the boys right now happened in the, the junior girls community back in 2006. And... The formation and the founding of the Junior Volleyball Association is probably the biggest single thing that's happened within the junior volleyball community ever. I mean, junior volleyball has been around since the, the early 80s, so it's, you know, we're in our uh, fourth decade, fifth, they're going into the fifth decade of this. And uh, the, the founding of the JVA, you know, created, um, you know, tremendous opportunity in so many areas for, many, for so many different organizations and people, uh, created competition, uh, it created opportunities, it created uh, options, it created so many things. And what's happening with the boys right now is a lot, uh, is, is very similar to what happened with the girls back in 2006. And the JVA was founded in, uh, there, was a, there was a meeting held here in Illinois in 2006, attended by about 20 or 25 club directors. Uh, basically to discuss the state of junior volleyball. I mean, there was a lot of frustration at the time. There really was one only, or, only one organization, that was USA Volleyball. Uh, you know, there was the AAU championship each year, but it was, uh, you know, people participated in AAU championships, but there, it wasn't looked at as, as a serious tournament. It was more of a tune-up for nationals or something that teams would go to who didn't qualify for USA Volleyball. Uh, but it wasn't looked at on unequal footing at all. And so one of the things that, uh, you know, the, the 2006, there were two, two meetings held in 2006. And the first meeting uh, was basically to discuss, uh, you know, a lot of the club's frustrations and, you know, basically the state of junior volleyball. And there was a tremendous amount of frustration at the time in the USA Volleyball Qualifier System. And it was that's the primary. That, that was the primary reason for the meeting was the the qualifier system that USA Volleyball had in place. Um, you know, was was primarily run by private clubs or private individuals, um, but it was the qualification process for the national championships. And you know, there was a lot of money being made by certain individuals, which I think nobody had any issues with people making money but they weren't sure that individuals should be making most of the money on, on the national governing body's qualification system. And I know that's changing now because USA Volleyball is in the process of basically taking all the qualifiers away from all the people who run the qualifiers or all the clubs who run the qualifiers. And you know I think they want to own the entire system so they have all the revenue basically at their disposal. And, uh, but the, the other thing that was, was frustrating for a lot of people in, in the 2006 meeting, because there were probably about 20 to 25 clubs uh, that attended the meeting was two days long, 
uh, was the state of play policies that were coming where you, you know, you went to tournaments and you were forced to stay in certain hotels and you knew you were funding and, and kickbacks were being taken by uh, other, other groups. Uh, so you were being charged more than you should, probably should be charged. You weren't al- allowed to use your own hotel, you know, your own hotel points and things like that because, you know, if you had points somewhere else other than where you were staying. So uh, there was a lot of frustration there. And out of out of the meetings in 2006 uh, came the originally it was called the JBDA, the Junior Volleyball Directors Association, and the Junior Volleyball Directors Association was really founded to be a a, a voice for the junior volleyball community. It was a, it was a club directors association, and it was it was put in place so you know clubs would have a voice and they wanted to be heard. They they didn't feel like they had a voice at the time. Uh, AAU didn't really have a, a huge volleyball presence. They they ran a, a, a national championship that had you know four or five hundred teams attend it, but it, but they just you know they also had basketball which was much bigger at the time. They had they ran a lot of multi. They were a multi sport organization. So even though they had a volleyball tournament, they didn't run uh, they they didn't run anything that was remotely uh, similar to what USA Volleyball was doing. And within the junior volleyball community, there was tremendous frustration with USA Volleyball. I mean, I, I was in those meetings. You know, I, I remember distinctly, you know, the discussions that took place. People were just frustrated. And when the JBDA was formed, that would eventually become the JBA, um, you know, there was, you know, there was a lot of hesitation at the beginning. There was a lot of uh, uh, backlash uh, for people who decided they were going to take part in the JBA events and JB, JBDA events at the time. There was a lot of backlash from USAV. You know, you became a target. Uh, you know, of, of almost a smear campaign if you decided that you want to be a part of something new and maybe a little bit different. And, you know, it was, you know, it was, it was pretty tough for a lot of clubs. And there was a small group of clubs that broke away, but, but out, uh, very good clubs. I mean, Sports Performance, Montana, Kiva, uh, you know, there were some good clubs involved. And so the level of play almost right away was, was uh, high level, but it was primarily a Midwest organization. And what happened is that uh, if, if you look at the founding of the JVDA, uh, you know, and I've had uh, college coaches tell me the same thing. If you look at the founding of the JVDA and the rise of the Big Ten, they almost all go simultaneously together because the, the, the JVA is, was primarily a Midwest organization. And, you know, so the power leagues and the competitions that took place within the teams in the Midwest – you know, they became extremely competitive because, you know, we played each other a lot. And uh, we didn't follow a national schedule. We followed, you know, more of a regional schedule. <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> more of a regional schedule. And uh, But the, the rise of the Big Ten and the founding of the JVA, almost if, if you go back and look at what the Big Ten has done in the last, you know, 12, 13 years and what the JVA has done, you know, in terms of being competitive, it it's almost it goes side by side. It's almost a parallel path, and the the JVA would probably have never turned into what it would have turned into if you know the JVA the JVDA decided they were going to run their own year end event in two thousand eight. Uh, they started that was when they were going to run their first year end event, and they were just going to do it for clubs who you know wanted to you know wanted to play uh, a year end event within within the JVDA, and you know, the JVDA went to USA Volleyball and they tried to get USA Volleyball to sanction the, their national championship because the USA Volleyball had sanctioned the, the Davis Festival in California for, you know, 
well over a decade. And that, that tournament ran at the same time head-to-head with USA Volleyball Nationals. So it wasn't unprecedented for a, a tournament to run head-to-head with the U, year-end USAV tournament because USA Volleyball had been, had been sanctioning a tournament in California for years. It had been doing that. But for some reason in 2008, USA Volleyball told the JVDA no. And so the JVDA in 2008 um, you know, went and got their own insurance and uh, ran their own national championship in Louisville, Kentucky. And I, I can't remember, I think there were like two or 300 teams there at the time, may, maybe more, maybe, maybe a few more. Uh, it was a good quality event. I mean, the, you know, there was a Japanese team that came in, uh, Kyushu Bunka from Japan uh, as a guest team, and you know, they were very good. Uh, you know, in Muncian and sports performance in Kiva, and, and traditionally strong clubs also participated in that tournament. And it was, you know, CBS did a, a special there. Karch Karai actually was there as a reporter. Uh, it, it was a great event. I mean, it was, it was a really good event. The next year in 2009, uh, the JVDA went back to Louisville again and actually played their 17 Open and 18 Open championships in Freedom Hall. And I think there were 5,000 people at the, at the, at the match. Uh, they, what they did was they shut the entire tournament down they had brought in the teams a day early, so uh, the 18 Open and 17 Open Championship would be on, the, th- on the, the day before the last day of the tournament. So that evening, which would be day four for those teams, but only day three for everybody else, uh, they basically shut the entire tournament down. So people just walked from the Louisville Convention Center into Freedom Hall. And the whole lower bowl at Freedom Hall was full. And uh, it, was, it was quite a spectacle. I mean, literally, I think, I'm not sure there's ever been more than 5,000 people at at a junior match in the United States, but uh, there was there, and it was it was extremely exciting. So, two thousand eight and two thousand nine, you know, the JVDA was running their own year-end national championship. It was the only tournament they were running. In two thousand ten, uh, actually in two thousand nine it started, but in two thousand nine AAU approached the JVDA about partnering with them for a year-end tournament. And, you know, Roger Gowdy, who was the president of AAU Volleyball at the time and would later go on to become the president of AAU, you know, he flew with a group of AAU people to Chicago. And, you know, there were conversations back and forth about, you know, the JVDA and the AAU uh, combining for a year-end event. You know, so basically so the, the JVDA would have a, have a home, um, a consistent home for their year-end event because USA Volleyball had not wanted to be a part of that. And then after that, the JVDA, which became the JVA shortly afterwards, they, they started running their mid-year World Challenge, the JVA World Challenge, because they already had a year-end event when they had partnered with AAUs. But what happened with, with the partnership was the, the AAU tournament exploded in popularity. I mean, it went from four or 500 teams. I think it went to maybe 1,000 teams or more in 2010, which was the first year of the teams, the tournaments were combined. And, you know, it just continued to grow. And I, the prediction for 2022 is that there will be 4,000 teams at the AAU National Championship in Orlando, Florida. So, you know, the JVA, which, you know, and JVD, JVDA, but which is now the JVA, we're going to call it the JVA. You know, the formation of that as a club directors association was the catalyst for the explosion and the growth of AAU volleyball to the detriment of the growth of USA Volleyball in terms of their national championship event because they didn't want to be involved in uh, the year-end tournament. They just, you know, I think they dug their heels in for any, for whatever reason they dug their heels in for. 
but it ended up being a gold mine, you know, just literally, uh, I mean, it's literally the largest vol- junior volleyball tournament in the world that AAU runs. And, uh, you know, you don't have to qualify for it. So we've talked in the past about the qualification process that's extremely expensive, costs a lot of money, uh, is, is very inefficient from a business point of view. I mean, you may go to all these tournaments, but you're spending lots of money on travel and, and hotels and everything else. You're not spending money on player development. But, you know, that's, that's kind of the, the formation of, uh, you know, how the JVA and AAU come to, came together. And, uh, you know, it exploded. I mean, you know, it's just you, you go from 2010 being close to 1,000 teams, which people just marvel at the fact that it grew that fast, to being four times as big right now. <laughs> and a 4,000-team tournament. And, and now you have the, the, all the best boys teams in the United States are going to be in Orlando this year. You know, it's going to be highly unlikely that those boys teams will ever go back to USA Volleyball because there's going to be no reason for them to go back. They're going to be able to run their own events. They're going to be able to run their own organization. They're going to be able to look after their needs and their and their uh, their goals much better than any of the organizations that have initials with them, whether it's USAV, AAU, or JVA. And you know, then they these the boys can choose where they want to end the year at. And you know, the lack of having to qualify or chase qualifier bids is actually a big plus for most clubs because you can plan your whole season before you ever start your season. You know exactly where you're going to end up. You don't have to wait till you're midway through your season to know if you're going to get a bid, to know if you have to reserve hotel rooms for nationals. You have to buy airline tickets. You can literally pick and choose how you compete the whole year. So the, the formation of the JVA... Basically, and the AAU championship, it may be called the AAU championship, but it's really a gift from the JVA. And, you know, the JVA, as I, as I said earlier, I think is the most important development in the history of junior volleyball. The one thing that happens to organizations, though, when, when <clears throat> they become, you know, mature and they grow and they become popular is that they seek power. And the, the concern that now, has, that I have personally, and I, and I know it's a concern with some other people in the volleyball community, but it's really a concern with me. And I think I've been pretty clear on these podcasts that I speak for myself. I don't speak for a lot of other people. But, you know, the JVA was, was, was a club director's association. And, you know, to promote the growth of junior volleyball by providing education, resources, and networking. Well, the last year the JVA was in full existence prior to COVID, they had become a $3 million a year business. You know, they had a half a million dollar a year payroll. You know, they went way past what the goals and the guidelines were because they had become an event business. And what happens is when you become, when you start to grow and you start to develop power and you start to need power, then you start to do things that a lot of times you know, take you away from your original mission. And, and you know, from, from personal experience being involved when the JVA first started, it was great for all of us. I mean, we, we as club directors, as small business owners, you know, they were a loosely knit organization that supported our goals and, and, and desires and dreams. We got together, we ran events together, we ran our own tournaments, we ran our own leagues. We weren't under the thumb of anybody else. And they were just a, a, you know, they were just a business association. But, you know, the, the one thing that concerns me is the evolution to being this mammoth event business, because when you grow your organization, then you have needs. 
and you have, you have things that you have to do every year. If you have a payroll of a half a million dollars a year, it's probably more than a couple of people working in the office trying to, to be supporters of, uh, of club volleyball throughout the country. And then once you have those people, you have to hang on to those people because the, the golden rule of any government or any bureau, bureaucratic entity is that it never desires to be smaller. It always desires to be bigger. And I think that's one of the issues with, you know, when you go from 20 or 25 clubs sitting in a, a hotel banquet room in Warrenville, Illinois, starting this small organization that just wants support to support club directors uh, who are small business owners who have facilities that they have to try to fill, who have uh, clubs that they have to find events to play in. One of the things that, that's concerning to me is, you know, now the JVA has taken on these events and they're all running these bigger events. And that $3 million a year, it could have gone to other people who have their own facilities who want to run their own events because. There's only a limited number of teams. There's only a limited number of players. There's only a limited number of days to run events. So if the JVA is running $3 million worth of business a year and they've got a half a million dollars in payroll, how much of that money is now not being spent in the junior volleyball community for private clubs, private businesses, individual businesses to work with each other? Because the, the easiest way, and I've said this before, the easiest way for all of us club directors to be successful is to do business with each other. The worst thing we can have is a middle man or a middle person or however you want to call it, stuck in the middle of us, you know, telling us exactly what we need to do all the time and not even understanding what might be in the best interest of our organizations. And you know, the growth and the explosion of the JVA and the quality of play in the JVA was literally because those clubs got away from USA Volleyball. They were never under the thumb of AAU. The JVA was literally just a small organization that, you know, that, that helped facilitate insurance needs and things like that. So the mission of the JVA was phenomenal. And again, I'm going to go back and say it's the most important thing that's happened in junior volleyball ever. Because before we, had, we were involved in a monopoly, it was a monopolistic organization. And if you listen to the last podcast, you know, it's nothing against USA Volleyball, but there's absolutely no reason they should be in junior, the junior business. Their, their mission is to win Olympic gold medals. Their mission is to have the best adult volleyball team in the world. You know, they need to focus on their mission in that area. They don't need to be in the junior community trying to control junior volleyball. It's just not one of the things that they should be doing. They shouldn't be involved in it in any, any way, shape, or form. The J an organization like the JVA should be involved in it because the JVA should be literally a voice that comes directly from the club directors who, who make it clear what they want and the things they want to do and how they want to do it. And, you know, that's the concern with the JVA exploding into this mammoth event organization because now they have to meet payroll. They have to run events. They have to do all these things because now they're just a much bigger business. On the flip side, you know, I, I think one of the things that you see around the country is you see so many more clubs now who have become open to being involved in JVA events because it's really a no-brainer. I mean, really, as, as a club director, the thing that you want is you want to be able to just look at the different events in your area or nationally. You want to be able to sign up and play in those events. You, you shouldn't have to pay... 
50 or $60 a kid to just be a single member of a single organization. You know, AAU is $14. The JVA is just, you know, it's, it's, it's part of, you know, your club fee. Uh, but, you know, USA Volleyball in the past, they had a monopoly on the business. And one of the things that happened when they didn't have a monopoly any, anymore in 2007 and 2008, they got angry. And they got angry. They got vindictive. You know, they got mean-spirited. You know, they started bad-mouthing a lot of the stuff that was going on in the JVA. And, you know, I think everybody kind of rode that out and the JVA, you know, grew and, and once it partnered with AAU became a massive year end event. The JVA World Challenge has always been five, six, seven, eight hundred, nine hundred teams. It's very popular. And in the last two or three years, as I've mentioned, the JVA has grown several other events. Um, but my concern is those events take away from the business of junior volleyball. They take away what other people could be doing, the business other people could be doing with each other. But on the flip side, the concept of the JVA is by far, it's the best model for us as small business owners to work directly with each other. And I, I can't stress enough, and I've said that before, I can't stress enough how important it is that we do that. Uh, another thing that's concerning about the JVA is that, you know, they become, they become far more political. They become, uh, you know, it's, it's, they become a lobbying group for causes. They become, uh, you know, they, they get in the business now of suspending uh, players if, you know, if something happens at a tournament or something like that. And, you know, that's another, that's another side of the organization that was never intended when it was founded. When it, when it was founded, it was supposed to support and be a business association. And so I think one of the things that, that concerns me, and I don't know if it concerns anybody else, but it concerns me, is that you lose your original mission. And it's exactly now why the boys have left USA Volleyball is because uh, you know, of their grievances and their concerns and their complaints weren't heard. And, you know, the one thing that concerns me about the JVA is that they're growing into the same type of organization as USA Volleyball or the AAU. And at some point, you know, at some point people will say, and because we're business owners, if you're listening to this and you're a club director, you know that your most important concerns are your club, your club, your club membership, your customers or your players and your parents. Those are your most important concerns. How do you best manage your business? How do you, how do you have the, the freedom and the independence to run your business at the highest level possible? You know, do what's in the best interest of your organization. And generally when, when monopolistic organizations or organizations that trend towards being monopolistic start getting in the middle of you and start telling you how to run your business, you know, it, it, it usually leads nowhere good. And that's what you see right now with the boys. What you see with the boys right now is the boys have had it with, you know, one of the, organiza one of the initial organizations. They've had it. So they're going to go to another initial organization. How's that going to turn out? It's probably going to turn out fine as long as the boys have the ability to create and control their own destiny. But one of, the, one, of, one of the concerns with organizations like the JVA, which was started, I mean, it, it, there couldn't have been an organization that was started with, with more pure motivation and more, more, you know, just it was absolutely because everybody wanted the ability to kind of have control over their own destiny. It wasn't anything other than there was a lot of frustration with the USAV qualifier system. Nobody was in favor of the state of play. And, you know, a lot of people don't understand the state of play, how big of an issue the state of play was when it was first started. Because when the JVA was founded uh, and partnered with AAU in 2010, AAU, Disney tried to get AAU to implement state of play. And so there was a point when 
AAU came to the JVA and go, we're, we're thinking about going with state of play. And I can tell you that the leadership and the, <clears throat> the voice from the JVA at that point in time was that if you go to state of play, this relationship will be over. You will lose you will lose this new partnership, you know, by the time, by the time the contracts have been signed and the ink is probably not even dry yet, you will lose this organization because that was a flat, that was a, that was a line uh, or a flag that would be planted that was not going to be, not going to be crossed because I think people just felt like it was absolutely not right to tell people where they had to stay and to charge them a tax for staying where they were staying. Uh, you know, it's, it's rare that you, that you buy in bulk and get charged more. Usually when you buy in bulk, you get charged less. And that's one of the things that happens. So, you know, I think one of the things that we're looking at in the junior volleyball community right now is we're looking at the, the, the long-term future, not the midterm future, but the long-term future is what's going to happen with the JVA. Is the JVA going to continue to grab more market share of tournaments? Is it going to become a $4 million a year event business? Is it going to become a $750,000 a year payroll, have a $750,000 a year payroll? Or is it going to look, is it going to eventually at some point, because one of the things that you see nationwide, more and more organizations understand that they have options in competition. They have options in the tournaments that they go to. They don't have to only play in a USAV tournament, or they don't have to only play in an AAU tournament. The JVA is kind of an independent. I mean, you, you can take the JVA insurance, you can sanction JVA, because the JVA event will take anybody. A JVA, which is really what, you know, if you're USA Volleyball and you're the national governing body, you should be the big tent umbrella of all of volleyball. Everybody who plays volleyball in this country ought to be under the umbrella of USA Volleyball, but they ought to be able to play in any event they want to play in. USA Volleyball, as we mentioned in the last, in the last podcast, they have to use the junior com- community for revenue. So they don't want the JVA to make money. They don't want AAU to make money. They want to make the money because if the JVA and AAU make money, it takes away from revenue that's potentially USA Volleyball. So that's really the, the scope of this whole thing is we have three initial bodies. You have USAV, you have AAU, and you have the JVA. They're all fighting for market share. That's what they're all fighting for. They're literally all fighting for market share. Now, a lot of the clubs belong to two or maybe three of the organizations, all of them, but you're still fighting for market share. And, and my concern with the JVA is that I wish they would go back to being exactly what they started out to be and let the clubs and let the club directors and, 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 and club organizers <clears throat> take care of the, the volleyball landscape. Let them do that. Let them go back to being an educational group. Let them go back to being a club directors you know, association and, and support uh, and get out of the body of politics and get out of the event business, you know, other than I, I, I love the World Challenge. I think it's a great event for them. I think if they, would, if they would look at it and do it in a different manner, it could be far bigger. That could be their one home run every year that could fund their entire organization. But that's, that's up to them to make their own mistakes and run their own events. But the, the, the concerns that I have looking forward and looking over the horizon are, at what point will the JVA say, we need to be smaller? <laughs> Not only do we need to be smaller, but we need, to, we need to move back and step back and we need to be less political. We need to not pick sides in any area. And you know, we need to just be supportive of our members. I think that's the one thing that, that, I, that I think is really important. And it's the, because otherwise, 
it, it inevitably, inevitably will happen that what happened in 2021, 20, with the boys in USA Volleyball, there'll be another revolution against the JVA. There'll be another organization that comes into play where people have like-minded goals, who wanna work with each other, who wanna work together, uh, you know, who, have, who literally have, have idealistic goals as far as how the organizations can complement each other as opposed to something starting with those goals or something starting with the best of intentions and then it ultimately becomes a power grab. And you know, it's you, you saw that back in 2008 when USA Volleyball would not sanction the JVDA championship. It, they dug their heels in for whatever reason it was. And now, you know, you've got 12, 13 years later, you've got a tournament that the JVA basically is responsible for that has 4,000 teams. And no matter what AAU wants to say, no matter how big AAU volleyball has become, it's because of the JVA decision in 2010 to partner with AAU. That's the, that's the only reason. And you know, it's USA Volleyball shot themselves in the foot in that area, but the, the biggest thing right now is, is the JVA gonna go down the road of USA Volleyball? Are they gonna end up being heavy-handed in certain areas? Are they gonna, are they gonna sit back and realize that their only mission is to, to support the clubs, support the club directors, help them be better at what they do, help them be better with their business practices. Uh, and if they do that, then you know, it, it's an organization that's got, it's got a great future. Because I think across the country, ultimately what's gonna happen across the country is as volleyball becomes more professional, and, and in that sense I mean as, as these club directors, you know, they have to run a good business. If they've got their own facility that they have to try to fill on a regular basis. They, they're gonna have to run, an, uh, they're gonna have to run events. They're gonna have to run, their budgets are gonna have to be more manageable. There's gonna be a limit on how much you can charge families per year if only 20 or 30% of that money is actually coming to your club and most of it's being spent on you know, travel and other things like that because you only have so much, so much money that you can charge any customer. And so the growth of your organization and the services that you can pro- provide to your organization, you know, they all have to be paid for in some capacity. So one of the things that if you look across the country, there's more and more leagues that now are JVA leagues. There's more and more events that are now JVA events. I mean, the JVA, the concept of the JVA, the independence of the JVA of allowing everybody to be involved in their events is a very noble effort. It's a noble cause. The biggest concern that I have is the JVA organization itself. Do you want to get bigger? Do you want more market share? Do you want to have more control? Do you want to dictate more? Do you want to politic and lobby more? Or do you want to step back and let the people who are your customers have the right to do business in any way that they see fit. And I think that's the, you know, that's that's my that's my hope and that's my desire, but that's all my also my challenge to the JVA because we've been a JVA member since the beginning. I mean, we we were here when the JVA was founded. We've always supported the JVA, but you know, right now it's an organization that doesn't look anything like it looked in 2007. It doesn't not remotely rem- resemble the organization that set in Carroll, or, uh, Warrenville, Illinois, with the goals of literally being supportive of each other. I mean, the JVA, the seed money from the JVA literally came from two tournaments that were run by Sports Performance and Club Fusion. I think they got about $60,000 given to them from those two events to seed the JVA. That's where the JVA come from. 
now we're talking about a $3 million a year event business with, you know, a, a good sized payroll. And does that organization want to continue to grow? Does it want to give some of those events back to the local, local clubs or does it want to let some of those events go back? Because you have to decide how you're going to work as an organization. We know how USA Volleyball is going to work. USA Volleyball is going to control all the qualifiers in the next few years. They're going to add more teams to their national championship. You know, they're going to be more heavy-handed. They're going to be more restrictive. They're going to do more things to try to control, you, control the life of club directors as opposed to understanding that you're the customer. If you're a club director, you're the customer. It's your money. It's the money of your families and, and the players in your program. You know, your loyalty is to those people. Your loyalty is not to any organization that has three or four initials in their name. And I think that's the, that's the biggest thing that I think we need to look for going forward as club directors, because if there's not, there will be another revolution. The boys, the boys came, you know, 14 years after the girls, but there will be another one from the girls if, if, because there always will be a void that somebody can step in because people have a tendency to always overstep their power. And I think that's one of the biggest things. So, um, you know, to me, we have to look at, at these entities and we have to ask ourselves how as how as a business owner what do i need from each one of these entities if i don't need anything from them then why do i belong to them why do i associate with them why do i need to be a part of them i think that's the biggest thing what we want from these entities is to say we're going to provide such great service to you and such great support that you're going to want to be a part of our organization that's that's the ultimate question right there what do I need from you? What are you going to give me that makes me want to be a part of your organization? Because I think we all know as club directors that sometimes it's almost the reverse. I mean, you know, you belong to these organizations and you get no support from them. You know, they don't listen to anything you want to say. Hence, it goes back one more time. It's why the boys are gone from USA Volleyball. They, the, they wouldn't, the, the needs weren't met at the regional level. The needs weren't met at the national level. AU was wide open to because it, it means more money for AU. It's just business. It's it's ultimately it almost always is about money, but it it just meant that AAU now had another customer base of four hundred boys teams that it didn't have in the past. So I think it's one of the things that we have to look at. So you know, as a club director, as a business owner, I'm always looking forward to see how how these these trends affect my future business. I'm not looking in the past. I know, I know what's happened in the past. And it's almost always the same. Organizations that get power want more power. They want to become more powerful. They want absolute power. You know, people like us, we want independence. We want the ability to make our own decisions so we can run our own organization. We only care about our little niche in the world. That's what we care about. But these other organizations that have a thousand of us or two thousand of us sometimes they don't look at us as individual organizations that have you know that 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 have certain needs and wants that we need to have met they just look at it as somebody who's under their control and so my warning shot to these organizations that have initials behind their name usav aau jva you know be careful how you tread because the people in the in the community who actually run the businesses you know they can pick up the phone and just talk to each other and that's exactly what happened with the JVA. And I'm going to say one more time, I think it's the third time, but the founding of the JVA is the single most important thing to happen to junior volleyball in, in America, in the United States, ever. How the JVA moves going forward, you know, is going to, 
dictate if the JVA grows and it's supported or if people look somewhere else. So um, I hope you enjoyed this. I hope it was thought-provoking. You know, one of the things I want people to do is I want people to think. I want people to think and ask questions, uh, decide why they do the things that they do. You learn more in your life by asking questions than you do by being given answers. And uh, hopefully there's some questions out there. So I hope everybody has had a safe and happy holidays. And we want to wish everybody a, a great 2022. And may all your teams go undefeated and win championships. Thank you.